Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got to ask. We're asking a question here without food associated with it. Okay? It's been a while. I'm breaking the mold here. What's your favorite 80s movie? Oh, man. I think I've got to do Back to the Future. Uh, Which one? Well, probably the first one. I mean, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, it's hard to beat that, but uh, the whole trilogy is good. I... I, it just feels fun. I, I don't know. It's been a little bit since I've gone back and watched it. Like, I don't know if there's something that, it, like, I'd be surprised that they included that in there. Um, but I just have such fond memories. Even even now, every once in a while, I'll be like, listen to the, the, the like, Huey Lewis and the News song that's mm. in that. It's like the power of love. And, oh, man, I love it. It's Some, so good. Sometimes I work out to Huey Lewis and the News, the sports album. I'm a child of the 80s, so that music doesn't sound old to me. It, it's it's exactly right. It sounds it's like, different than music today, but it does, mm-hmm. like. But my my sixth grader, she's sitting in the car, and I turn on like the eighties channel. She like she, <laughs> she makes just, a face. She she's loses like, what her mind. Is yeah. this what is going on right now? How about you, Eric? Oh man, I I think it's the Breakfast Club. I okay. think ultimately that's going to be my answer. I find that movie fantastic on a bunch of different levels. One, it's really funny. Second, as someone who did youth ministry for twenty years, the, a movie with all the different subcultures having to serve detention at the same time and actually have conversations with each other, I found great. But I'm scrolling through a list here, and ah, man, now now it's making me conflicted because you also have Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Clayton, I can't believe that your favorite movie is not The Princess Bride. Oh my gosh, that's in the 80s? That's in oh, the 80s. Oh no, I think I might, uh, I think I might have to switch. And, and here, is, here is the one that makes me almost want to switch my answer from The Breakfast Club. Coming to America. Oh, oh. yes, completely. It's been a while. Completely different genre so from all of the John Hughes type movies. Yeah, but, yeah. So I'm I'm going to say two movies. I'm going to say Breakfast Club and Coming, Coming to, to America. America. So, okay, so and, and here's good. how I'm evaluating that. Because if I'm like flipping the channels on TV, there are some movies that if it's on, I will just stop. And if Coming to America is on, I stop. Yep. And I watch it to the very end. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it. No. Yep. Right. Same thing. Oh man, Ferris, is it? Uh, are, it does it make you want to avoid Ferris Bueller that your name is associated with that, or is that like no? I have a warm pl- place in my heart for that. No, movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I'll still watch that movie. I, I love Ferris Bueller, uh, and I like the fact that they're still save Ferris. Yeah, you can get a T-shirt, yeah, you can get you a can. hat. It's very true. It's been helpful for my family. It's very true. Uh, my movie would be Footloose. Um, I just I've loved that movie since I was a kid. So that movie came out a year before I was born. So nineteen eighty four. So I've watched it many times. Still enjoy it. I was in the grocery store the other day, and the song that came on when they're trying, when he's trying to teach one of the other guys how to dance, and he's like practicing dancing in his backyard and like at the farm and stuff like that. That song's playing, and like I can still remember like how to do this little shuffle dance that he did with his feet, <laughs> and I'm like doing it in the grocery store aisle. So uh, it would be footloose for me. So. Wow. Do I just have an affection for the '80s? You guys correct he's me. Still of course or, you do. Or are. These movies like really great, like like Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's a really great movie. Yeah, right. I mean, they name roller coasters after it and create theme parks and <laughs> the Karate Kid. Oh yeah, Cobra. Do you guys watch Cobra Kai? I haven't watched. I've watched a couple episodes. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, do you remember the Dead Poets Society? Yep. That's the eighties. Yes. Oh, I thought there was. That's 90s. a great movie. Oh, yeah, I actually went to soccer camp at the school that that was filmed at. Oh, Let's Captain, see. my so, Captain. Oh man. 
Uh, when there's a lot of like uh, rom coms and stuff in here. What's Steel Magnolias? I never watched that oh, movie. Oh, that was with uh, oh. Julia Roberts. I'm sure my sisters watched it's that. A very when sad movie. Very I, good I, movie. When Harry Met Sally. Lean on Me. That was a good movie. All right, now we're getting into some <laughs> no, bad no. ones. <laughs> now Bre- we're Breakfast Club is in here. All right. Okay. Anyway, is is the, are, do I just think more of these movies because I, it's probably they were my nostalgia. childhood movies? It's probably nostalgia a little bit. Yeah. And and the thing is, you don't remember all the parts that you're like, oh, I'm not sure that's appropriate. Yeah, right. They're all exactly. rated PG, but not not. PG. There's a ton of inappropriate parts in these movies. Exactly. Before they came up with the PG-13. Right. Yes, let's just remind ourselves that parental guidance in the 80s simply meant this. Parents made sure their children were alive at about <laughs> 9 o'clock at night. That's about the parental guidance that happened during that decade. That's great. All right, Clayton, what are we talking about today? All right, we are talking about Isaiah chapter 40, um, which is uh, a pretty amazing chapter. A little bit of context here. Um, in Isaiah 39, there's a bit of a break. Isaiah has been telling some of the stories that are happening around his time uh, with some of the kings that are there. But then he's been prophesying about the Babylonians who are going to come in and invade and all of these things. And then he fast forwards. So once you get to Isaiah 40, it's almost like uh, a sequel to the book, okay? Like it's the second half where he is talking about things that are happening after the invasion of the Babylonians. It's kind of uh, all of these bad things have happened and now God's salvation is coming to restore the people and the next, you know, 20 some chapters are really just glorious and beautiful and Isaiah 40 kicks it off really amazing. Uh, what we're gonna do as we read the section from this uh, this chapter here is make observations and typically we use this, uh, this acronym TREATS. So I'm gonna quiz you guys. So uh, the T stands for? Theme. The R stands for? Repeating words and phrases. The other T is? Uh, truth about God. And the S is? Something striking. Okay, so this is a nice rule of thumb, things to look for in a passage when you're trying to get your hands on it. We are going to focus specifically on the truths about God because this passage is packed with them. So as Eric reads, I want you to be listening for attributes or actions or descriptions of God that you can grab onto as well. We're going to start in verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales? and the hills in a balance. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord at his, as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? 
He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. All right. Just as we said, when we are doing observations here, we're going to focus in on those truths about God. So what did you guys see? And where to start? Um, Right off the top, I I see this. um, We're very familiar with God being a shepherd. So he tends to his flock like a shepherd, but then how does he do that? He gathers them in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them, uh, those that have young. So it's, it's, it's this picture of him compassionately and lovingly caring for his people. Yeah, what I love about that is right before it, it talks about him ruling with a mighty arm. Yeah. And it says he gathers his lambs in his arms. There's like a, there's like a power and a gentleness. Yeah, there's yeah. like, you know, the, the strength and the tenderness in there. I just, I just love it. Holds them close to his heart. So good. I started reading at verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. And so we're three words in where you get the word sovereign, which means has authority over everything. I look at the the part, the paragraph that starts in 12, and it talks about these things, almost saying like, who's ever done these things? Have you ever measured, you know, basically everything in the universe? Have you held the, you know, all the matter in the, you know, on the earth in your hand and, and weighed them? Um, and then it says, you know, who does, who does God need to advise him about stuff? You know, like who can fathom the the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Who did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Uh, who was him? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? So it's got these two immense things. Like he's he's got the whole world in his hands, like you know the kids' song talks about. Um, but then he does not need anybody to instruct him. Like even the the smartest person, the wisest, most insightful person that it, that has ever lived, needed somebody to teach them something. And for God, he just knows it. He just has understanding. He doesn't need someone else to say, let me check that for you. Let me let me kind of get another perspective because you might not see it all. Like he doesn't need counselors. He doesn't need advisors. He just, he knows what to do. Yeah. And then you, you jump down to 18 and it says, with whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? And then it goes into, you know, people casting idols. You know what I mean? And it's like, really? Like you're going to put that stone, that wooden, or that metal idol 
up against an almighty God who created the earth and fashioned it and sustained it. Really? Like, that's who you're going to compare it to. And there's, there's like that, the mockery in there yeah. of like, you know, that this idol really needs this poor person to come along and be like, well, let me just pick out the right wood because you might fall over and we don't want to make sure you make sure you don't rot because, you know, like the vulnerability of the idols there in yeah. contrast to the God who needs nothing. As I was reading it, what was ringing in my ears is Job's conversation with God in Job, mm-hmm. right? So Job's doing a lot of complaining or wondering about you know, why his life is going so bad when he has done the right thing. And his friends are making all kinds of accusations about Job. Like, you must have done something wrong if God's treating you this way. So there's, there's a lot of questioning going on. And I, I always love this when, when God speaks to Job because he says, brace yourself like a man. Like, <laughs> okay, Job, you've been doing a lot of talking and now I'm going to speak. And he says a lot of the same things yeah. that was just said by the prophet Isaiah says, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I'll question you, and you answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Um, so a lot of that same exact language in Isaiah Uh, And then I'm skipping in Job 38 all the way to verse 32. Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lay out the bear with its cubs? He's talking about all the different constellations. Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? I I love it. It's like everything in Isaiah in question form to Job in the end of Job. Yeah. It's interesting though with, with Job, while God is clearly like caring for Job in a certain sense, there, there is a, it's the negative side, right? Like it's, yeah, things have happened in your life that you can't explain and it's your suffering. On this side, it's like, but this God's also on your side, Israel. Like Israel has just been through hell and now they're coming out and God, it's saying, this is the God who's on your side. The God who's carrying you in his arm close to his heart is that God who, you know, confronts Job and says, do you really understand anything you're talking about? Like, this is that God and he's for you. Right. And I would say that God was for Job. Yes. And on yeah. Job's side, Job just didn't know it. Yes. Right? He's questioning. It's it's like when we go through hard times and we're wondering, God, are you for me? Do you see? Those are the three questions. Are you for me? Do you see? Or are you strong enough to do anything about it? Yeah. Right? And, and isn't that what questions. Israel says in verse 27? Why, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. It's like, no, of course not. I see it all. Yeah. And then you see these... Um twice it does it do you not know have you not heard has it not been told you from the beginning have you not understood since the earth was founded and then it lists all these things um israel did know they were told but they forgot um so it's almost like this slap in the face like you know but you've you've forgotten all the things that you knew about me um and then he just repeats it again and then i love how like the the language changes and instead of like asking in the third person, he says like, "Who to whom will you compare me?" You know, or who who is my equal? Says the Holy One. It's then it's like God is coming and then saying, "Okay, I'm asking this question." Yeah, that question, who who will you compare me to? It's it's part of the reason he says, "Don't make an image of me because it's not going to measure up. You're gonna you're gonna reduce me if you do that." And yet it's, it's also really interesting that the Bible is so full of analogies and has to use so many because none of them are enough. 
like all of the different images of who God is and all the ways we describe him cannot capture it all. And there's always a limit to those things. So you have to, you have to keep piling on those comparisons because none of them are good comparisons. So you get that idea where it's like, yeah, yeah, I get the point. I get the point. Well, but do you? No, let me just keep going. Cause no, you don't. Yeah, I'm a preacher, so I can say this. Every time a preacher says God is like, and then they start in their analogy, I'm like, okay, this is going to be lame, or this like, <laughs> it's like super cringy because it's never enough. Yeah, you know, it's like the it's the classic, the Trinity is an egg. Yeah, it's yes. like, stop, stop it. The Trinity is not an egg. It, you, we're doing our best, right? But it's impossible because we cannot fathom, yeah, fully, of the majesty of God. Uh, I am going to look here at verse 25, 23, sorry, 23, 24. Uh, thing truths about God. He brings princes to naught, reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. Then he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. And so it's, to me, that's a, a really good picture of the temporary nature of anything in humanity and the longevity and the eternal nature of God. Like when, 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 when we're building something or politicians or rulers think like, I'm, I'm setting something up that's going to be unshakable and it's going to go on forever. And then he blows on them <laughs> and they wither. Yeah. I, he almost levels up after that in the next paragraph where he talks about the stars. If you're an ancient person, you, you look at the stars and you say, well, these are some sort of heavenly beings, right? Like, so they, they, they represent either our gods or if you're an Israelite, you know, gods, uh, you know, the, the, the starry host. So it's an army of gods, you know, powerful beings, right? And so the, this image of the stars and it's like, you know what? And God is the one who calls them by name and brings them out and makes sure that they don't kind of get out of line, like that none of them is missing. And, and it's almost like, these things that we see as powerful and unshakable and uh, so far above us, they actually need God to tend to them, that God needs to make sure that they're in the right place because they are not ultimate either, and, and yet God is. Um, and I, I, they didn't know what we know about astronomy, and, but it kind of adds on even more when you say, how much does our God know when you think about the uncountable number of stars and galaxies and all the stuff that's out there, that he would be the one who knows them by name, tells them where to go, makes sure that they're in their place. That's that's unfathomable. Another truth about God I see is in verse 29, and I would simply say it like this. He shares. Yeah. God yeah. shares his divine resources with us. So it says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Yeah, I love that. That's so good because sometimes we, when we have power, we're afraid to share it as if we'll lose some. He's like, no, I can give it away and I'm still in charge. You know, it's no threat to him. Yeah, and then verse 31, it says, but but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Um, a lot of times when you're feeling like there is no hope at all and you can't keep going forward, the one thing that you need to do is turn to the Lord and he's going to renew your strength. Like there, the ultimate hope is in him. So when it's talking about like weariness and weak and this lack of power and people stumbling and falling, it's reliance on the Lord. Does those three verses ever seem anticlimactic to you? The the last ones there? Yeah. They'll soar on wings like eagles. Awesome. They'll run and not grow weary. That's pretty good. They will walk and not be faint. Okay. (laughs) 
Oh, I, I get to go of, for a walk. <laughs> I think of the Bette Midler song when I hear they both swore on wings like eagles. That's what's going on in your head right <laughs> yeah, now? now? Okay. Yeah. Because because earlier I had an 80s song in my head going on. Not not as famous as that, yeah. but uh, Larnell Harris, There Is No Equal is a is a 80s like gospel-ish kind of kind of song. I I think the what seems to be anticlimactic here is on purpose. Hmm. Uh like soaring on wings like eagles sounds like amazing, right? So you have like these so you ask yourself what's of these three things what is harder? Having an awesome moment, having an awesome sprint or walking without losing strength all the time. Hmm. Right. So it's the it's the day in, day out. Yeah. Like sure you have those big moments where you have these big mm. moments with God and they're amazing and powerful and that's awesome and good. And then there's like these seasons where you have to run, but running like sprints don't last forever. Like you're just in a season where you're like, Man, I had this sprint and God gave me the strength to do it. But the most impressive one is day in and day out, God mm. giving you what you need to serve him and do what he's called you to do. So I, I think what seems anticlimactic here is reversed. Dude, I love that. I never thought about that before. That's so good. That's really good. That's so good. Let, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. Let's talk about meditation. Uh, this is a great way to do meditation when you are looking at truths about God. It is to simply take one of those attributes or actions that God did and to praise him for it, to spend time say, actually talking to him about how amazing it is that he's like that. So this is what I want you to do for the next 45 seconds. I want you to call to mind one of the things from this passage that we've been talking about and spend 45 seconds. Maybe you need to pause it and, and spend more, longer time and just worship God for who he is. All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is message. What principle, what idea do you get out of this passage? I'm going to steal Larnell Harris's song title. There is no equal. I can only find all of the things that I need and all of the things that I should want in God. Uh, My message is the strongest one there is cares for the weakest ones there are that sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week summer edition we're using quotes from famous people in the comma tip and so this week's quote is from a w tozier the word of god well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. So the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule takes you through the whole Bible on 
purpose. And here we are in the summer talking about the prophets, but stick with it. And you'll notice over time that God is doing a good work in you. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's talk about the A and comma, which is application. So what do we do in response to this? Uh, for mine, um, for my message, my application would be, uh, it, to me, I'm, I'm drawn to verse 31 when it says, but those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. Um, if I am to find everything that I need and everything that I want in the Lord, it's to understand that he is my only hope. Uh, and so if I look to anything else, if I look to anyone else for that hope, for that guidance, for that direction, um, I'm just not going to find it. And so um, I need to recognize that God is is my only hope. Uh, but I also love that thing that Eric said, like they will walk and not be faint, like that daily walk. That's how you do that. My application is going to be to listen more and talk less in my prayer times. Hmm. Because uh, one of the one of the truths that we we see here is that we serve a God who speaks. Uh, and if you need some proof here or a clue, uh, verse one of chapter forty just says, "Comfort, comfort my people." Says you are God, like all over the script. Like the Bible is God talking, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a God that speaks. And then if I go to verse. 14, where it says, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who has taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? I feel like a lot of times in in my prayer life, I won't speak for everyone, I fall into the trap of feeling like I need to tell God what to do or what he ought to do. Well, God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my counsel. He's not. There's never anything I share with God where he's like, you know, I never thought about that, Eric. That's a really good idea. So it's to talk less and to listen more because we serve a God who speaks. Yeah, so mine, if the, the strongest cares for the weakest, the, the one who has all the strength cares for those, those of us who don't, um, in some ways that gives me permission to not have to be the strongest. To, to, the one who has no limits is God. It's not me. I, I don't have to pretend like I know everything, I can do anything, um, that I should be able to handle this. It's okay for me to say, you know what? Even the strongest people, the, the youngest and the people who should have uh, you know, all the strength, they grow tired and weary. And it's, so it's okay for me to say, you know, I grow tired and weary. I don't have this all under control because he does. He's the strongest. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download the plan and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.